this morning or newer, I uh, want to especially welcome you. Uh, we're glad that you found your way here, however you found your way here, whether you were invited by someone or, or just stumbled upon it. Um, in front of you, in the pocket there in the chair, you'll find a connection card. Uh, that just tells you a little bit about who we are as a church, um, a couple ways you can get connected. We'd really encourage you to consider filling that out so we can uh, start learning more about your story um, and so we can come along you um, and connect with you. The last couple weeks, we have been looking at uh, a series we've been doing off and on throughout the year, and the series is called The Ask. Uh, and if you've been around for a while, you know that uh, this series is a way of communicating what we're asking God for this year. It's uh, a way of communicating our vision and what we want to see God doing in our lives uh, individually, as well as in our life as a body. Um, so a couple weeks ago, we took a look at um, serving. This notion that the, the harvest is ready. Um, and as you think about New England, um, obviously there could be a great harvest in, in New England. And Jesus encourages disciples, the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. So there's this notion of going out and, and serving and being a worker. Last week, Michael taught on a passage in the book of Acts uh, where God answered the prayers of his people in a mighty way. He freed Peter from jail and and God did this amazing and miraculous event because his people prayed. Uh, his people were faithful. So we've been looking at that. Uh, today, uh, we're going to take a look at the body. Uh, the body of the church, the community. Um, and this, uh, this passage has fallen on me to preach. Um, sometimes some of my friends joke around that, that all I ever talk about is community. Uh, that every time I'm up there, somehow community is going to going to show up in some way. In fact, one, way, uh, one day I was uh, teaching something and I had referenced Acts chapter 2, uh, where it describes uh, the community of the early church um, and how they gathered together. Uh, and a friend of mine whispered, all right, here we go, the Jeremy Alexander verse. Um, and so sometimes people think, oh, well, here we go on community again. I have come to love community because God loves it. Because God loves community. And I know that the church can be a messy place. All right? I've, I've been hurt by the church. I've seen the ugliness of church. Right? It's a broken place. But from God's perspective, it's a beautiful thing as well. If you look at the scriptures and you look at how the story and the narrative of God starts, he places Adam and Eve in a garden. In this wonderful place. And then if you read the end of the story, God has grown his people, God has multiplied his people, called more into this, so that now his people dwell together in a city. This great city of God at the end of time, where people from every tribe, and every tongue, and every nation, every ethnicity, come together in a community to praise God, and to be in God's presence. And that community, that that the people of God that he is calling out and forming together is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Does it get messy? Yeah, because we're all messed up people. Um, whether we admit it or not, we're all kind of messed up in our own ways. So this morning, we're going to be taking a look at this community. And what does it look like to really live in community with others? What does it look like to live in community with God? Before we do that, let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you that you have 
You have called us together as your body. Thank you that you um, are a God who is worthy of our praise and that you are working in history to draw people to yourself and draw people into this beautiful city that you are creating, that you are forging. This morning, I pray as we look at your scriptures that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds. Father, help us to see what you want us to see. Help us to hear your Holy Spirit. Father, and help us to respond well to what you're doing in this place and in our lives um, and throughout the world. We ask this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. So like I said, we're in the midst of the series about the ask. Uh, asking God for things, for great things, uh, for God-centered things. But I want to ask, ask you guys something here as we start. There's a danger in focusing on asking God for things. And what this is, is we as people get so focused on ourself. And there are times we look at God as simply one more thing to consume. We look at church as one more thing to consume. And so, whether we would articulate it this way or not, I think a lot of times we tend to look at God as a vending machine in the sky. Okay, so everyone get this picture of a vending machine. We think if... If we do the right things, right, we, we serve, we pray, we read our Bible enough, we go to church enough, you know, we, 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 we're the good person, we keep all these rules, we say the right kinds of words, we do the right kinds of things, well then we at, when we ask things of God, he'll spit it out and give it to us. Just like if we put our dollar bill in, we get out a Coke. And I don't think we mean to do this at all. But I think that this is what works in us. So as we're, ask, we're thinking about this ask, we're thinking about what it is we're asking God to do, I want us to reorient ourselves this morning and think, what is God asking of you? What is it that God is inviting you into? And is your ask shaped by what God is asking of you? Is your ask this year shaped by God's invitation towards you this morning? And God's inviting us to, to two things. First, he's inviting us to join in the people of God. He's inviting us to participate in his community, the church. And second, he's inviting us to join in with his people on mission. Those are the two things we're going to look, about, look at this morning. So let's start with this first invitation from God. God's first invitation is to join in as members of of his people united in the body. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and every time I read either 1st or 2nd Corinthians, I'm pretty encouraged. Because when you read uh, these scriptures, you realize that Paul's writing to a church that's really messed up. He's writing to a church that's arguing with each other. He's, he's writing to a church where, where people are being excluded. Um, because people are messed up and these things happen, and he's trying to correct them. The church isn't a perfect place. The church isn't always um, God-honoring, but it is God's people, and it's, it's worth giving our lives to. Let's take a look now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 12, and we're going to be jumping into a thought here. Um, Paul's talking about how um, we as individuals relate to one another, how we connect with each other in the body, um, in both of our differences and our unity. And he says this, 
says the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. And so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. In our individual culture, we tend to think we tend to think that being a Christian is about me and God. It's about me and Jesus. And as long as I'm all right, just me and Jesus, that's, that's the extent of it. What Paul is trying to show us here is that our life with God, being a Christian, is also about our life together. You see, being a part of the body of Christ being a part of the church isn't something that we really have an option of as Christians. It's not like, well, I love Jesus, but I hate the church, and so I'm going to bail on that. What Paul says is, as believers, you are already a part of the body. So the question isn't whether you're going to opt in or opt out. The question is, are you functioning well or poorly as a member of what you already are? So it's not, the first thing I want you guys to see here is that we already belong to the body. This is what he is saying here about the body being many and yet unified. You see, community, the church, uh, we often treat it as it's just one more thing we do, right? We've got so many things going in our lives. We've got this practice, we've got these meetings, we've got, oh, I've got to do church, so I'm going to go check that off. All right, got to take the kids to soccer practice or to dance practice or music. And so what happens so often is church just gets kind of pushed aside to one more thing that we're juggling, trying to keep our busy lives together. And if we don't have time, well, something's got to go. So we'll just let that ball fall for this week and then we'll keep going with life. But we think that we're the center of our life trying to keep all of this organized. The reality is... As Christians, being a member of the, of the body of Christ is who we are fundamentally. That's what shapes our identity. Church isn't something we do, it's who we are. We are members of the body of Christ. And so everything else we do in life, our jobs, our relationships with friends, our relationships with our neighbors, um, other organizations we may be a part of, all of that comes out of who we fundamentally are as believers, as members of the body of Christ. This is what God is inviting us into when he's inviting us into his gospel, when he's inviting us into redemption, to see our lives as shaped, as, as determined by our membership together as a community. This is this unity that he talks about, this all differences, these, we have many parts, but there's a unity was it was manifest to me this week. Uh, Thursday night, we have our community group over. And this past Thursday, we're sitting on the back deck. We've got a fire going. It's one of those perfect New England fall evenings. And we're all sitting around having soup and just swapping stories and laughing and enjoying each other's company. And I sat back and I thought, man, we've got college kids here. We've got grad students. We've got young professionals We've got newly married people. We've got 
People have been married for years and have young kids, and the kids are, are in the other room sleeping, and we're all united together, enjoying a part of each other's lives and involved in each other's lives. And I sat, you know what? I haven't seen that anywhere else in my life. You see, community within the church isn't some program that we buy into. It's not something we, we pull our bootstraps and we try really, 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 really hard. I'm going to make it work. Paul says here, it's the Holy Spirit which unites us together as one body. You see, here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. If you are in Christ, then you also are in his body, which is the community, already. What a beautiful picture of that unity this past week as we all sat around the fire laughing and enjoying each other's company. As different as we all are, as unique as we all are, Side note, I'd encourage you, if you're not in a community group, now is a great time to do it. You have people who love you, people who will pray for you, people who will encourage you, who will walk through life with you. The design, that's the hope of these community groups, that they would be reflections of the body of Christ locally gathered. And like this last week, as we ended, our community group gathered around one of our members who had just lost a family member. We got to pray for her. We got to pray for her family and celebrate the life of her grandmother who went home to see Jesus. It was an awesome moment of people coming together in community. Even though we're all different and put us out in the world, we'd probably never really interact because of the way our lives are. And yet, Holy Spirit binds us together and unites us. That's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. That mysterious union. So I ask you, the ask that you are praying for, the ask that you are hoping God comes through for, is it based on simply what you want, or is it shaped by your membership in the body of Christ? Is it shaped and determined by God's invitation to you to join in as a member of the body. Fully engaged. Is that's what's shaping your ask this year. The next invitation that God offers to us is to join in his people on his mission to seek out the lost. You see, God just doesn't want community for the sake of community. That's not the reason why he binds people together. It's not the reason why he united Israel, these 12 different tribes together. It's not why he took the disciples and pulled them together into a body. It's not why he formed the church, just so we could have community for the sake of it. As if it were some Christian club that we that we participate in and get to know the secret handshake for. He created community so that that community could be on mission with him, could partner with him on his mission to seek out the lost and to redeem the world. Take a look. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll keep reading, starting now in verse 14. He says, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. See, it's important as we think about the body, as we think about the, the community, the church, it's important to recognize we all have a place and we all have a part within this unity, within this body. And here's the tragedy sometimes. Many of us look at our lives, many of us look at our past, our talents, or our abilities, and then we look around at the church and we say, yeah, I just don't belong there. I'm not like him, so I don't have a part. I can't sing like they do. I, I can't understand scripture the way my community group leader does. I can't talk to people. That must mean I don't belong, so I'll just kind of sit back and stay and watch and consume. The goal of the body is not uniformity, it's unity. Imagine, picture this. This is what Paul is saying. He's, imagine that your hand said, well, you know, I'm not the arm, so I don't really matter. Or your foot woke up one day, and, and just go along with this. Your foot in the morning decides, you know what? I'm not, a, I'm not like the head, so I'm just going to check out today. You guys, you know, I don't belong to you. I would make for a rough day, right? Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. You belong. You belong to the body of Christ if you're a believer, and you have a role to play that no one else can. Because of the way you're created, the way you're fashioned, the way God is working in you. And yet people say, well, but I'm not ready. Awesome. You're never going to be. Okay? So let's start getting over this notion. We think, well, I'm messed up and my life is, is messed up and I don't know everything. Awesome. That's great. Mine is too. My life is messed up and I don't know everything. But I know Christ. I know that he puts my life together. I know that in him, it makes sense, even when I don't see it. And I know that in him, I'm not left to myself, but his son lives in me through his Holy Spirit. I can't do half the things I'm called to do and if I, if I was, it would be me doing them. That's the beauty of the gospel. God calls you to things that you can't do so that he can do them through you. So that his spirit can work in you and through you. Think of the disciples. When Jesus died, they were done. They're like, all right, well, this failed. Let's go back to our normal jobs. Because they didn't get what Jesus was doing. They walked 
Imagine this. They walked with Jesus for three years, and at the end of it, they still had no clue who he was. And you're concerned because you haven't read every word in the Bible? When Peter stood up at Pentecost and started preaching, he hadn't prepared all week. He hadn't done his research in the commentaries, drawn all the biblical allusions, thought about how to equate this to life and culture and society. He got up and he obeyed the Spirit. And the Spirit worked through him. And the Spirit took these men and women who weren't ready, who were scared and broken, and he formed a church out of them. Because he did it, not them. Ladies and gentlemen, you're never going to be ready. You're never going to know enough. You're never going to be like that guy or that girl and have your life together. But God is inviting you to understand that despite all of that, you are a vital part of his body. You have a role to play, and that's beautiful. And that's amazing. As he says, I love how Paul puts it here. In verse 18, But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He has arranged this body. He's arranged this place exactly how he wants it to be. He has called you here to this body for his reasons. Not just to consume, not just to sit, but to be an active part of the body. Not to try and be like someone else. Not to try and, and, and conjure up some life that looks put together. But he's called you here to be a part of the body because he loves you and he wants you to join in him on his mission with his body. Because in that, you will see amazing things and your life will be transformed. Let's go on reading and to see how else Paul explains this. This is, now I lost my spot. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we'll pick up in reading in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So here's the opposite of what he's just saying. He previously was saying, just because you're not like this doesn't mean you don't belong. But now... Just because you have gifts and have talents doesn't mean you don't need the rest of the body. It's kind of the flip side of it. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty why our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. 
Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Again, imagine this. Imagine your eye wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I'll see you, body. I don't need you guys today. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'm going to go do my thing because I can do it without you. It'd be ridiculous, right? I mean, an eye outside the body, just a dead organ. Nothing. No matter what your gifting are, what your ability, no matter how strong or able you think you are, you cannot function without others. The scriptures, the New Testament, has no place for a lone ranger Christian. This is why it was beautiful to start this morning with welcoming members into this body, with this affirmation that we need to belong to one another. Because without others, we can't make it. We can't function. I have a friend at work. By all outward appearances, he's broken. And he's second class by standards of the world. Because he has a walker. He can't pick up his feet. And when he talks, you're going to need to slow down. Because it takes him a while to form his words and what he says. Couldn't make it through some of my days without that guy. Because when I talk to him, when I'm around him, he reminds me of the gospel. Because it tells me. Tells me that the Spirit's at work. He reminds me that all things are in God's hands. That nothing is too much for us to handle. And when he worships, when we gather in chapel, more often than not, you'll find him on the floor, face down, crying out to God. By our worldly standards, he's less honorable because he's broken. And I love that kid. Because he reminds me of my brokenness and my need for him in my life. I wouldn't be able to do what God has called me to do if he weren't there. And that's true for all of us. We cannot do the Christian life. We cannot function rightly in the gospel and in the body if we don't have one another. We're not independent. We're not self-made. We can't do it alone. We need the whole body coming together. And when the body comes together, yeah, it's hard because we're different. And sometimes community gets ugly. Sometimes the phone rings for the fifth time that afternoon and you don't feel like talking to the person again. Right? Or sometimes they just grate on you. And community is hard. But what I've discovered and what I've seen in community is in community, God gets me out of myself like no other time. He shows me my selfishness. He shows me my arrogance and my inability 
like no other times. And that is beautiful. When God uses other men and women and children to call us out of ourselves to join in his mission and to join in with his people. There are people in this church that come in every week just to vacuum the floors. Seems like an insignificant role. They rearrange the chairs, they clean up, and they don't ever want to be known. They're vital for this church. They're vital for the way we function and what we're doing here. There are men and women who come early simply to clean toilets. Pretty boring, unhonorable job. And yet it's indispensable. It's necessary. And they do it because they understand that in doing this, they are serving and participating in God's mission moving forward. Even cleaning toilets can be a way to further God's mission because it fits with the whole body and what we're doing. And that's a beautiful thing when the body fits together. Turn over to John chapter 17 for a moment. This great passage where Jesus is praying. He's getting ready to go to his death. And he's praying for his disciples. He's praying for those who would come after him. And it's interesting of how he talks about the community. This is in John chapter 17, reading in verse 20. It says, My prayer is not for them alone. Talking about the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. He's talking about the church. May, they, may those believers be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Here's the thing. When we, as diverse people, from different tribes, from different places, with different personalities, different tastes in music, different dress, different likes and dislikes. When we live together in unity as the new kingdom, as the community of God, the body of Christ, that testifies and gives witness to who Jesus is. Notice what Jesus prays for, that others may know me through their unity. How we live with one another speaks about Jesus. It speaks poorly about him or it speaks well of him. Our life as a community is a witness to what God is doing in the world. It's part of joining in him on mission. And without every part, a body can't function. My wife's a nurse. She tells me stories all the time how one small part goes wrong and the whole body starts to shut down. One small part isn't doing its role and our physical bodies start to crash. Same thing's true within the body of Christ. As we think about this invitation from God to join in the body of Christ and to join Him on mission, 
What about your ask? Is your ask shaped by God's invitation to us to join as the body of Christ on mission with him? Is that what is shaping and molding and motivating your ask? This mission of God to seek and save the lost, to redeem the world. This year, as elders and as a church, we've been asking God for 500. We can look at that and say, well, that's just a number. We just want to be big or have more people. No, that's 500 broken lives redeemed by the gospel. That's 500 people who were lonely and outcasts, now belonging and having family. That's 500 people whose marriages were broken with anger, with resentment, with jealousy being pieced back together. That's 500 people who are alone. 500 people who are depressed or shattered finding peace. Finding themselves in Christ. What it is, is it's the mission of God moving forward is what we're asking for. We're asking for lives to be transformed and God is inviting you to join with him. Not because he has to, he wants to. Not because you're this great person and have so much to offer God. It's because he's inviting you in. It's like C.S. Lewis once said, he pictured a, tells the story of a father who has a young boy. And the boy comes to him around Christmas time and asks the father for six pence. Lewis was British, so they don't use dollars. He asks him for six pence. And the father gives it to him. And the boy goes out and he buys a present for his dad for Christmas. He wraps it up, brings it home, and he gives it to him. Father receives it with such joy and excitement because it's a demonstration of his son's love for him. And Lewis goes on to say, but let's not be foolish. The father is sixpence none the richer for this transaction. Father didn't get anything out of this but he took joy in his son doing it. He took pleasure in watching his son use his resources to demonstrate his love. God is offering that to you. He's inviting you into what he's doing so that you can take joy in his presence and in his working in your life, through your life, to accomplish his mission. You see, more often than not, we're like the kid on the playground who never gets kicked for ki- picked for kickball. And when time comes and we're getting ready to walk away because the teams are forming, the first name called out is yours. God wants you on his team, even if you think you can't do it. And especially because you think you can't do it. Because when we come to the end of ourselves, then we have nothing left to do than rely on God. No room for anything but the Spirit anymore in our lives. 
when we've come to the realization we can't do it. And God is inviting you this morning to join him on mission. One of the things we've been doing the last couple weeks is these serve cards. You'll notice these in the front pocket in front of you. We've done these not just to have a box to check off, because what I hope you hear this morning is not, oh, well, here I go. I feel guilty, so I've got to get involved now. Or, man, let me check off that box, do my good thing. That's not the point. The point is this is an invitation to see God work mightily, and you get a front row seat. And we've created these serve cards to challenge you to think through where might be God where might God be calling you with your talents, with your gifts, with your abilities and inabilities to fit in the body? I encourage you this morning as we move into a time of worship, sit with God. Where is he calling you to fit in this body? What part do you have to play? And sit with that card and there's baskets in the back where you can drop them off today and do it this morning. Don't do the, oh, I'll think about it. And then you go home, you forget about it. And you just go on with your life. But I challenge you, what is God calling you to this morning? What is he inviting you into? Every week we end with communion. We end with celebrating the gospel. And as I love this picture right here before us. Of the bread that is broken and the, the wine that is poured out. Representation of Christ broken for you. His blood poured out for your sins to bring you to the Father. As we move into a time celebrating communion, remember, Christ was broken for you so he could mend you, so he could call you into his family as a son or a daughter, so you could join with him on the mission of God, seeking and saving the lost. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you have so acted in our lives to bring about our redemption through your Son. We thank you that your call to us is a call to belong to your people, to be members of your family, and that you have invited us into your mission. You have invited us to participate in what you're doing in the world. Father, may we fall in love with that. May you so open our eyes to see how you are working in us and through us to fall in love with you. And so that in our lives, in our service, in our community, you would be glorified and you would be lifted up. Communion is a time for believers to meditate on Christ to enjoy the gospel, to enjoy what God has done for you. So I would invite you, if you're a believer, I invite you to the table to partake the bread, partake of the wine or juice, and remember Christ broken for you. We'll have some of our leaders up to the right and left. If you want someone to pray with you this morning, if you don't know what it means to be a son or a daughter of God, if you've never tasted of that community, that wholeness, that God is offering you this morning, I encourage you to come and talk to, to our leaders who will be on the right and the left as we worship. I invite you now, everything has been prepared for you.